Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. (laughs) Who needs sleep anyway? Good evening, you're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 12. I'm your host, Otis Gyre. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing four stories for you about extraterrestrial transmissions, alien entertainment, insidious institutions, and imminent extinction. All of them themed around the idea that there's got to be more than mankind living in this universe of ours, and that not all of that life may be benevolent. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two terrifying tales. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So, lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. This show's about to begin. 
<laughs> Our first tale tonight comes to us from author N. Christ. In it, a father recalls the day he came face to face with alien life forms in a darkened field and how it changed his and his family's lives forever. Without further ado, I present to you Encountered. It was cold the night it happened. The air was heavy with thick fog, the likes of what I've never seen before. It felt unfamiliar and foreign, and it burned my lungs a little. I took a deep breath, new smells I had never experienced before, wafting into my nose across the breeze. The word alien came to mind, and I gave a little involuntary shiver. I turned around in the doorway to find my two little ones staring at me with eyes as big as the stars in the sky, their faces filled with fear. No doubt all of the commotion and noise had roused them from their beds. I managed a little smile. Don't worry, my loves. I'm sure everything is fine. Go on and fetch your mother. I watched them scurry further inside. As soon as they left my field of vision, my frown returned. What was that out there? Across the wide field that stretched in front of me, through the fog, I could see lights where there hadn't been any moments before. I couldn't say that I really believed in the supernatural, but even I had to admit that lights didn't just appear in the middle of a field at night out of thin air. Darling, a soft voice warbled from behind me. I turned to find my wife clutching the hands of our children, worry etched onto her face. I reached for her and stroked her head reassuringly. Nothing to worry about, I said with a toothy grin at the three of them. I'll just go and check it out in the morning. As I was closing the door, Rocket, our beloved family pet, dashed in between my legs and shot outside. Rocket! My children cried. Damn creature, I cursed. Rocket, get back here! But he didn't heed my yells. Daddy, you have to go get him! My youngest wailed. I knew I couldn't leave him to fend for himself out there. He was such a stupid little thing. He wouldn't last ten minutes on his own. But he was just as fast as he was dumb. I already couldn't see him through all the tall crops in a field. Cursing mentally, I grabbed my jacket and a light. I hope Rocket could telepathically hear me, saying how sorry he was going to be when I got a hold of him. I was about to step outside when my wife's arm shot out and grabbed mine. Don't you think you should take your gun? My gun, I replied. Really, my dear, what do you expect me to find out there? If only I had known then what horrors lay in the dark, I would have heeded her suggestion. With another deep breath, I stepped out into the night. After just a few feet, I could no longer see my family in the doorway, nor the lights across the field. 
I walked forward in a straight line, pausing every few steps, to see if I could hear a rocket making any noise. I was startled by a sudden rustling behind me. I whipped around and lifted my light toward the noise. Rocket, I whispered. I exhaled loudly when the face of my eldest child poked through the stalks. I hadn't even realized I'd been holding my breath. What are you doing out here? I demanded angrily. He looked up at me sheepishly. I just wanted to help you find Rocket. My anger flared briefly, but subsided when I looked down at his face. He looked genuinely sorry. I could see that his worry for his pet was overcoming his fear of what was out in the field. Okay, I said, reaching down to take his hand. But you stick right by me. Don't run off, or I may lose you too. We walked for another few minutes, calling out for Rocket every once in a while but we neither saw nor heard him. I was about to call it quits when we heard a loud bang and then Rocket's distinct howl came from far to our right. That didn't sound right, Daddy, my son said worriedly, and he was right. It didn't. Rocket sounded like he was terrified and in pain. I hoisted my son up into my arms and started to run, toward where we heard his cry come from. After running for a few minutes, we burst into a wide section of field that had been cleared. It struck me for one second how it was strange that just this section of field was cleared, but that thought was quickly erased when I saw a rocket. He lay in the middle of the clearing, whimpering. We rushed to him, but as soon as we got there, I could see it was too late. Poor Rocket had been hit with something. I had no idea what, but he was covered in tons of deep wounds. I pushed my son, who was now sobbing, away from the scene. I couldn't have him see this. I lifted Rocket into my arms, his blood spilling down my front. He gave me a little cry, and that was it. I saw the life leave his eyes. I gently laid him back down and stood up, suddenly very aware that it was clearly not a good idea for my son and I to be out here in the dark. We need to go back, I said in a harsh whisper, still looking down at Rocket. But my son didn't respond. I looked up to find him staring off into the crops, wide-eyed and terrified. I turned my attention to where he was staring and felt my heart leap out of my throat. Standing at the edge of the clearing, not even twenty feet from us, were three of the most hideous creatures I had ever seen. They were tall, thin, and so pale, I swear I could almost see their insides. Almost entirely hairless, they were the very embodiment of the extraterrestrials I had seen in cartoons as a child. They wore odd garments and carried long weapons, the likes of which I'd never seen before. The longer I stared at the hate and malice in their eyes, the harder it became to breathe. None of us moved for a minute, the tension mounting by the second. Finally, 
I reached forward and grabbed my son, but he was frozen, just out of reach. I stepped forward to pull him back to my side, but when I moved, the tallest of the three shouted loudly at me. Uh, I'm sorry, I stammered. I don't understand. At the sound of my voice, the tallest raised his weapon over his head and screamed. His screams riled up the other two until all three were making a racket louder than I could have thought possible from three beings. I had no idea what to do. They were yelling at us in a language I had never heard before and couldn't understand. And then, before I could even comprehend what was happening, they had leveled their weapons at my son and fired. He was thrown backward with an insane amount of force. I cried out and rushed to his side. Much like Rocket, he had been shot through. Sobbing, I scooped him up and ran as fast as I could back into the field. I could hear whatever their weapons were firing whizzing past my head as I ran. Tears clouded my vision as I raced back toward my wife and youngest child. I felt like I was taking too long to get back to them. Panic pushed me to run even faster. When I finally got back, the door was wide open. I staggered inside, yelling for my wife. I started to tend to my son, still calling for her and my other child. I raced into the room where he kept the medical supplies, but when I got there, I could only fall to my knees in disbelief. There lay my beautiful mate in a pool of blood with my now headless child clutched in her arms. They had been slaughtered. There was no other word for it. I wailed in anguish like I'd never felt before. How had this gone so wrong so quickly? Suddenly remembering my other child barely clinging to life in the other room, I leapt up to go back to his aid. But just when I thought things couldn't get any worse, they did. Turning the corner... I saw the aliens from the field standing in my doorway, plus two others who must have been lurking inside. They were gripping my son by his neck, dangling him in front of me. One of them raised a blade and slid it straight into his chest. He let out one last gurgle, then went limp. The alien holding him dropped him and turned to me pointed the blade at me, and at that moment, I didn't need to speak his language. I knew what that meant, that I was next. For one single moment, I welcomed death. How could I keep living without my family? In slow motion, I watched the five of them come at me. Saw their cruel, twisted, ugly features advancing. Heard the blades swooshing through the air as they came down. Felt their cold stings as they sliced into my flesh. But then I realized I couldn't just give up without warning others of these things. These murderous creatures who felt no compassion for anyone or anything. I had to alert the rest of the population of what existed out there in deep space. I felt a surge of strength as I leapt up. I struck the creature closest to the door and somehow made it outside. I ran as far as I possibly could, 
before my lungs gave out and I succumbed to the blood loss. I had managed to make it out of the field into a wooded area. So here I lay. It has been two days that I've been here waiting death, making this what will be my final transmission to send back to my home planet of Sonaruk on the hundredth day of Glebar, year 5060, my ship's engines began to fail. I thought I might be able to make it to the next galaxy, but it soon became clear that I would have to make an emergency landing. I chose Earth, and I chose wrong. The stories of Earth are all true, my fellow countrymen. There are aliens here, and they are hostile. Do not attempt to stop here for any reason. Send out my transmission to as many planets as possible. These creatures are better left alone, and in dark about any other life forms out there. We must never attempt to make further contact with them. In my short interaction with them here, I've seen that no good can come of it. End transmission. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I hope you enjoyed Encountered by author N. Christ, as performed by yours truly. Up next, we've got another terrifying tale for you. This one from author Joshua L. Hood. In it we'll meet Mr. Laumer, a man who has made his living trying to convince people that they're being visited by aliens. And when that happens for once, he's not making it up. Without further ado, I present to you the untimely end of E.T. TV. Hey, man, I'm like Robin Hood. I rob from the rich and give to the poor. Except replace rich with stupid and poor with me. Same difference. Doesn't do me any good to kill my clients. Then where does the money come from? Think about it. So you're declining a lawyer and sticking to your story? I don't need to stick to my story, officer. It's all on film, you'll see. Okay, Mr. Lomer, so tell me about your business. You don't need to say it in that tone of voice. I had, have, 
principles, man. I never worked someone who actually believed in that crap. But believe me, that didn't narrow down the field much. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Most people hold to that old Fox Mulder bit. I want to believe. People's lives get so boring, so banal, that they're willing to jump over any bandwagon to feel like they're part of something big. I'm just helping it all along is all. Helping. Don't condescend me. I know my rights. What I do is no worse than what those bullshit peddlers on cable TV do every time. They regurgitate that alien abduction crap. But they have the illusion of authority because they're on TV, so it's okay. Fuck them. If people want to be sold a fantasy, why not? It's not my fault people died. I was just in it for the bottom line. It's not my fault, I swear. So you're saying you have something against the cable TV people? Oh, no, no, you don't. Weren't you listening? It wasn't my fault. How so? Did they make you do it? Come on, dude, I'm not crazy. I know I look like it wearing this thing, but can I change, man? I feel like a dick. You have to understand how this looks. You go complaining about these people, fuck them in your words, less than an hour after you're found standing over a dead TV crew. You're going to have to do better than that. Maybe I do want a lawyer. Can I just change? The suit is itchy. Maybe later, if you tell us what you did with her organs. Here begins the preliminary hearing in the state v. Charles Lama, defense. Are you prepared to give testimony? Yes, Your Honor, but let it be on the record that this testimony is given against the advice of counsel, pending psychological evaluation at least. Duly noted, defense. Mr. Lama, you may begin. Don't worry, man. I'll get you back to your public defender cubicle before lunch, okay? So, I don't know what those cops told you, Judge, but this is all true, I swear. That's the idea, Mr. Lommer. I know, Judge, just saying. So, here it goes. I got the first email three Mondays ago. I thought it was spam at first, but apparently they expected that, so they sent another on Tuesday. E.T.T.V., some documentary show. Stupid name, I know. That's why I thought it was a scam. I don't like to give in to scams, but it looked legit enough, and the possibility of being on TV was worth the risk. So I bid. They first had me speak to the skeptic. Every show has one. You know, that jackass who drops the word science twice per show? then grudgingly agrees that the blurry frisbee photos might actually be UFOs? That guy. His name was Keith Fry, Mr. Lummer, and I thank you to watch your language in the courtroom. Sorry, Judge. Yeah, Keith. And I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but most of you call me worse than a jack... bad name when I'm not in the room, right? Well, they're no different. 
We're not here to discuss your alien investigation business. Mr. Lamer, please continue. Sure, Your Honor. Next, I spoke to the lead host and the producer. I could kind of tell that the producer was in on it, got the grift. But Noreen, the lead investigator, was a true believer. Surprised me, to be honest, but uh, whatever. I guess that's when I first came up with the idea for the costume. Anyway, they wanted to come follow me on an investigation, so we set up the time and place. I had just got a new client, an abductee from out near Arco, way out in the boonies. Perfect setup. I called John Sharkey after that. We'd worked together before. He was in a motorcycle accident when he was a teenager and had that steel plate in his head. He'd used this shtick about being able to pick up on alien transmissions. Pretty brilliant, really. Anyway, I called him because he needed an accomplice on a job this big. Your Honor, he admits to contacting an accomplice. Do we really need to hear? Okay, calm your tits, leech. Wrong choice of words. I'm a lawyer, Mr. Lommer, not a leech. So tell us, was this before or after you give your accomplice a black eye? Certainly before you eviscerated him. Hey, Judge, can you shut this guy up? Aren't I supposed to be telling my story here? The court requests the prosecution to refrain from asking questions until the formal statement is given. Sorry, Your Honor. Damn strangers, sorry. Mr. Lahmer. Um, right. So, Sharky says, I should just let it play out. He says that we'll just go along with our routine and let the film crew fill in the rest. Those investigations never turn up anything anyway. Might ruin the fun if they actually did. I had a better idea, though. I was going to play it up big. Give him something to show. I should have just taken the 15 minutes of fame and parlayed that into a few extra jobs. But I had to be a showman. Stupid. So I went and got the suit. The alien costume? It cost a lot, but I thought it'd be worth it. I guess it was, in a sense. Right? Anyway, the plan was pretty simple. I was going to have Jack wear the suit and just run around in the alfalfa fields during the shoot. That was it. I wouldn't even pretend to see him. I'd just let them find it in the footage during the editing. Easy breezy. Except Jack pussied out and didn't want to do it. He said the alfalfa wasn't tall enough in case he had to hide and that he'd feel like an idiot if we were caught. Plus, he said he felt bad. I guess I should say that for the record. He had an attack of conscience, for whatever that's worth. I saw the guy try to convince a widow that he was channeling her dead husband and wanted a handy, so I don't know how honorable he was, but whatever. It's on the record, put it in on the obit. So I decided I'd just do the alien thing myself. The suit fit. I'd slip away, get dressed, and stand in the background of a few shots. I had a laser pointer, which would pick up upon infrared really well. It was a lock. So they would show up the next day in three vans. 
three. On TV, you see one van with all four idiots and their gear crammed inside. But they've got three vans and almost a dozen crew. They're already getting B-roll of themselves babbling on walkie-talkies from ten feet away from each other. They go to a lot of trouble to make that show look less professional than it is. I'd kill for that kind of production, though. Damn it. Poor choice words again. Hey, stop smirking, Leech. I can hear what you're thinking. Just stop it. It's a turn of phrase, all right? We're all familiar with figures of speech, Mr. Larmer. Just stick to the story, please. Yes, Your Honor. When you think of it, it's kind of their own fault. If they hadn't brought so many people, then there would have been fewer bodies. Maybe I could have saved more of them, or some of them, or one of them, whatever. So everything's going good. We wait until dark for some reason. The four idiots strap cameras all over themselves and start running around and whispering like the aliens couldn't hear them if they did. Mr. Lahmer? Mr. Lahmer, is everything all right? Um, yeah, Your Honor, I was just thinking. Were they listening? Are they now? Mr. Lahmer, please focus. Right, the story. i got to tell the story. Okay, so they strap on these cameras, including the ones pointed right at their faces. How stupid is that? How does that help? Anyway, immediately Noreen starts running around and screaming like she's got a rat in her panties. I was pretty alarmed at first, but then I noticed that no one else is giving a shit. Like she's just hamming it up, which she was. I didn't notice then that one of the crew camera guys, named Darren, I guess, wasn't moving at all. Like, not just not reacting, but straight up not moving, frozen. The guy was paralyzed. I noticed it later because he didn't move from that spot when it all went down. I guess everyone else was too focused on their own stuff to notice. They didn't notice the blue light pointing at Darren either. Probably thought it was the moon. I did too, but now I know better. Anyway, I take the opportunity to sneak out and do a wardrobe change. I slip into the barn and get into the suit. I underestimated how long it was going to take, and by the time I dressed, I noticed that someone had turned up the blue light outside. Or that's what I thought, like they'd brought a floodlight for some reason. It was a cold blue. And by that, I don't mean the color was cold blue. I mean it gave off cold like fire gives off heat. It was cold. Real eerie, too. The light came through the slats in the barn walls and made everything look real strange. And did I say cold? I thought it was probably just a breeze or something. Either way, a floodlight was no good for my plans. So I stay put and peek out of the barn to see what's up. First thing I notice is that there's a lot more people outside than there were before. Then I notice that half the people weren't moving. The ones that did were tall and lanky, big heads. I think you see where I'm going here? Your Honor, are we going to stand here and let this man blame a dozen murders on aliens? 
Be seated, prosecution. Go on, Mr. Lommer. But be warned, this proceeding is not one of your jobs. We won't have any showmanship here. Uh, not at all, Your Honor. Like I said, this was all legit. They were here. They were... I'm not saying they were aliens. Just that they weren't human. And that they had big heads and black eyes. And that they looked like aliens. Okay, they were they're probably aliens. Doesn't matter. What matters is what they did next. I look out and see them lift up some weird instruments in their hands. Bright red lights pop up on the end of them like lasers. And they start they start cutting people up. They cut them right the fuck open, Your Honor. Guts and all. They cut off Darren's arm. The people didn't move. They didn't do anything. They didn't scream or bleed or even fall over. They just stood there as the aliens poked and passed around body parts like they were shopping for the ripest avocado. At first, I thought it was all somehow part of the show, like they'd beat me to the punch or something. Season finale, maybe, you know? But it was startling anyway, so I straightened up real quick. When I did, I bumped into something behind me. Now, keep in mind that I'm still in my alien suit, okay? So I freak out a little and spin around, and what do you know? There's a big old fucking alien right next to me, looking down at me. I got one of those glowing tools pointed at me, but the light's not on. For some reason, I don't know why, freaked out and pointed my laser pointer at it, like right in its face, and wiggled it around a little. I guess I thought maybe it'd get distracted like a cat. Hey, stop laughing. I was panicking, okay? Anyway, it got this look that is pretty universal for annoyance, and swatted the little laser away like a fly. Then it gives me this real stupid look. It's staring at me like it knows something's wrong. Like I'm the ugliest alien it ever saw. I think the jig was up until I hear someone start screaming from outside. I knew the voice immediately. It was Sharky in his steel plate, God bless him, wailing like a banshee and chagrin full bore across the alfalfa field. I guess whatever that blue light was couldn't get through that chrome dome of his. So he made a break for it. Say what you will, but I'll be wearing a tinfoil hat for the rest of my days. Even if you throw me in jail, I'll blow the biggest dude for some Reynolds rap. What's the tinfoil to cigarette exchange right nowadays? Don't worry, I'll let you know. Mr. Lommer. Uh, sorry. Anyway, they, the aliens, all go after Sharky running on foot. He doesn't make it 20 yards, and one of them almost catches up. He shucks and jives, but it ain't enough. The blue light kind of drifts over to them, and then aliens have him corralled into the center of it. I can tell that he's getting dozy, kind of acting drunk, but he doesn't go out. He just keeps stumbling around, until I guess one of them gets fed up with it and just cocks him right upside the head. Get that? 
all that advanced technology, and this gangly gray fella just slugs Jack Sharkey into a coma. High fucking intelligence, right? Anyway, I fumbled out my cell phone and called the cops. It's a little staticky, but it works. They say they'll be there in a hurry, but it wasn't a hurry enough. The things got Jack Sharkey's intestines spilled all over the dirt and are fishing around inside them like they lost their keys. I can smell the vomit in my mask, even though I didn't throw up till later. I was pretty freaked out. But it wasn't until they got to Noreen that I grabbed my sack and did something useful. Good-looking, true-believing Noreen. Her job was to act like a leader and scream a lot. All she wanted was answers, just like the rest of us. But somehow, she got sucked into this shitty line of work. Welcome to the club, Noreen. Rest in peace. She was still in the yard, paralyzed, staring into a pair of binoculars looking right at the blue light. If she had her eyes open, she was probably blind by then. It was bright. I suppose it was coming from a UFO, but I couldn't see it. Anyway, one of them is going toward her with its red thing, and I guess I decided I had to be a hero. There was a steel bucket and a shovel. I put the bucket on my head, or rather on the alien head. If it were my head, it would have blocked my view, but it fit on the alien pretty well. Then I grabbed the shovel and ran for it before my wits gave out. I was still too slow. They had her organs, I don't know which ones, I'm not a doctor, in their hands by the time I got there. So, too late to be a hero, right? I'd still score one for revenge, I thought. The blue light made me woozy, and I knew what Sharky must have been feeling, but I stayed with it, being the big one right in the face. It was hard to hold on to the shovel because I was wearing rubber gloves with the suit. The fingers were like four inches of floppy rubber longer than my fingers. What I'm trying to say is that I didn't have a good grip. The shovel kind of tonged and kind of splatted into the thing's face, but it only stepped back a little. Then it looked at me, confused. Another one of them took the shovel and looked at it with a weird amount of interest just plucked it right from my hands. Then one went to take the bucket off my head. I tried to stop it, but remember the gloves? So here I am, flopping my big rubber fingers in its face, when the blue light gets into my head, and I... uh, the world starts going black. I was fully in fright mode, though. High octane. Hey, stop laughing, leech. Yeah, I pissed the suit. It was adrenaline, not fear. Big deal. Anyway, the blue light suddenly shuts off, and all the aliens are gone. Just like that, it's over. Except it's not. Suddenly, everyone starts screaming for a real brief moment. They woke up, see? Half their organs were gone. The aliens took them. Still keeps me up at night. Didn't last long, though. How could it? Next thing I know, the police are rolling up to the farm and I'm being cuffed. 
I guess that's why they left. Because the police were coming. Saved by the bell, right? That's quite the story, Mr. Lama. Yes, it is, Leech. And it's all true. How long have you been working in this field, Lama? Almost 20 years. And in that time, have you ever heard of anyone being killed by aliens like this? No. But look up cattle mutilations and you'll see some pretty startling similarities. Yes, but people. Have you ever heard of people being mutilated? No, not necessarily. Have you heard of abductees? Reporting surgical procedures aboard alien crafts? Yeah. Do you recall any of them coming back without organs? Or body parts of any sort, for that matter? No. So? So, Mr. Lama, isn't it a trope of the field that aliens always reattach severed limbs, replace organs, mend cuts, and the like? suppose so. What are you saying? I'm saying, isn't it possible that you should have minded your own damn business and just let events take course? Isn't it possible that aliens traveling 12.4 light years across deep space aren't stupid enough to leave a bunch of dead humans lying around? Isn't it possible that you shouldn't go smacking people in the face with shovels because it really fucking hurts? Or maybe it's possible, no, probable, that you're going to take the rap for this and admit that you took revenge on the TV crew for butting in on your own professional territory. Hey, that's bullshit, you know it. Do you really think? No, it's not my fault. So you say. Come on, Judge, you hearing this? Since when did we get to the examination portion of the tri... Judge? Judge? You okay? Bailiff, hey, why aren't they moving? Leech, what's going on, man? I don't know. Mr. Lama, do you understand? That light. Judge, wake up. It's that light. A simple question, Mr. Lama. Do you understand the benefits of confessing your crime? The video! I'll just show him the video! The video is gone. The organs are in the trunk of your car. Things are looking grim. Do you understand? Or we can always make other arrangements. I've got a shovel in my car. No, 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 I get it. Whatever the fuck you are, I get it. Good. Your Honor, I believe the witness has something further to add. Um, what's that now? Mr. Lommer, are you finished? No, Your Honor. I guess I got more to say. I hope you enjoyed the untimely end of ETTV by author Joshua L. Hood, 
as performed by yours truly. I'd like to personally thank you for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you have enjoyed what you've heard, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Gyre channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for Otis Gyre. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name, and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. 
If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.